thank you guys for coming tonight. Well, we wouldn't do this if you weren't here, so that's, that's right. the most important thing. Tonight we have Jeff Adams with us, and he got the ample at least 20 minutes notice that he was going <laughs> to be up here, <laughs> so he's super prepared. Um, Todd is out at work tonight, and we'll miss him. Um, it's good to be back. Man, I've yeah. I've missed like two weeks in a row. I don't like that, but it's good to be here. We're going to Had a good parents' night last Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I, um, do they have a pretty good turnout? Yes, and very good. Good, very, very good. Very good. All right, so tonight we're going to continue on. We've been discussing Romans chapter 12, and we're kind of doing it in a verse-by-verse verse breakdown. Um, and tonight, if you have a Bible, please turn with us to Romans 12. We're um, chapter 12, verse 3. And that's where we're going to pick up tonight. So, so 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then this verse tonight, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not... To think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So in the last couple of weeks, we have tried to build the, uh, if you will, the contextual case that after him discussing the doctrine of salvation uh, and, and other various sundry doctrines, now he's getting into practical application. And so... Uh, in verse 1, it's, it's a, almost like a, a compelling, begging almost, I beseech you therefore, brethren, uh, to present your bodies uh, just like God sacrificed his body. Now you're going to sacrifice your body, but, but while you live, verse 2, this is how you're going to do it. You're not going to be conformed to the world, but you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We believe that that carries with it the idea of God's word. And then now, verse 3, he's almost taking an aside here. For I say, through the grace given to me. So, let's start there. We're going to take it phrase by phrase as we've been doing the other two verses. Uh, what, what do you feel like Paul's getting at here? Well, he's calling on his credibility there. There you go. I've been given a grace. I've been given grace, obviously, written most of the New Testament, all his journeys. Everybody that's reading this knows of Paul's credibility and knows the the real reality of his of the grace that God given to, God had given to him. God had given him a commission and he was carrying it out. Okay, so let, let's talk about that just for a minute because this is, this is something that I try to use uh, throughout my ministry. And and I will say this: it's going to sound like I'm being self-serving, but that's not the point of it. This is an area that people talk about when they talk to me about why they come here and such of that nature. They like the fact that I try to get or prove, if you will, that I'm a human being too. I don't have a special dispensation from God. I don't have a special ability to live for God just because I'm a preacher. So that credibility, I think, goes both ways, meaning you have to have some credibility that, quote, unquote, you're able to live the Christian life but you also have to have that credibility with the rank and file that they know you have the same struggles they do. Otherwise, they want to put you on that pedestal. Well, he don't really understand what we go through because he's a preacher, you know. 
uh, well, that's baloney. And what do you always say? But for the grace of God, there go, there I. go I. When one finger goes out, three oh, comes boy. back. Uh, this preacher struggles with road rage <laughs> with the best of them. It's I ironic. The <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> we got to be blood related. Somehow. Just ride with me. <laughs> just ride with me. So, so uh, just building on that thought, um, people want to put you on a pedestal, but you're. You've heard people say you're just you're real, just like us. And um, Paul is saying here, for by the grace given me, I, I say to every one of you, it's the the way we receive grace is through humility, sure. and God, and God grants us maybe our our participation in the kingdom is is expanded to the to the level we're able to humble ourselves or see ourselves through God's eyes. God can trust us more when we're not working in our own game or have our own agenda to achieve things. Uh, God can trust us more. So I think it's uh, maybe it's circular reasoning there, but you have to be humble to receive grace. And, and maybe that's what made Paul's statement there authentic to the people who were read, reading it. He was a humble person. So I we think had every the rest of the verse is speaking to being humble humility, and yeah. humility. Um, so where it says, think of yourself with sober judgment, um, which to me is like a self-evaluation a little bit. I, I do that. I'm a, maybe an over-evaluator, like always, uh, you know, judging where am I at. But if you judge yourself constantly by the world standards, you're not really hitting the mark. Whether you're feeling like you're up here or you're down here, it's more, I think, speaking to judging yourself by God's standards, what God has given to you, which, I mean, really, that's where we're supposed to be doing the evaluation. Right. But, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I think often I do, and I'm sure a lot of us, we evaluate ourselves based on the world around us, not by what God sees us as or has made us to be. And sometimes we don't participate in the world because we've judged ourselves better. Than, than we are. Yeah, th mm -hmm. there, there, there's danger either direction. You know, yeah. uh, you, you start thinking that you're, you, you don't measure up to quote-unquote everyone else. Well, th they're not the measure, you know. And, and ultimately, what you have and what you do is not the measure. It's, it's what you've been entrusted with. It's the grace that's been Amen. given to you. We're children of the king. And you know? for the people who have known Paul for a long term, you got to remember, he was a highly educated. Right. I mean, he was a man he, of, of, of wealth and stature. He could brag. And he could brag. Right. And he said, but it's not me. It's through the grace that I'm given. Amen. And that's, that's what I took from that is that he's pointing out, I may have everything or right. had everything, but it's not me that does this. It's, it's Christ himself. And that's, what that's an, why I bang on that door. It's like, wow. Another portion of scripture, he, he did just that. He said, I count all those things but loss. Yes. You know, dung uh, compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, here it is, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. All right, so let, let's unpack that. I always like to look at things in the opposite first. So you can think of yourself. You just shouldn't think of yourself more highly than you ought. <laughs> you know, it, it's not... You know, you've heard people say, I'm not, 
I'm not conceited, I'm just confident. Or, or you know, how does that go? I'm convinced. I'm, I'm convinced. convinced. Yeah. And, and there is a certain level of that that I think is okay. But, but if it does come to conceitedness, obviously that's too far. Uh, I had a fellow tell me one time, referring to, he was a preacher. And he said, Brother Ben, if I can just get in the pulpit, then I know God's going to use what he's given me. And he's going to bring glory to his name. Well, you know, you, you can take that for what he meant it for, which was, I know the gift that God has put in me. Or you can take it, well, wow, that guy really, hot's not on a silver platter, you know. Right, right, full, full of himself. himself. Right. But, but I knew him, and that wasn't what he was saying. He wasn't conceited. He was convinced type thing. But we have this passage here t- telling us, okay, so yeah, you can think of yourself, but this is what you're supposed to think not more highly than you ought. Um, the, the scripture is replete with put other people before yourself. You know, and Gavin has so aptly brought out the second commandment, love thy neighbor as thyself. And that's, that you're loving God when you do that. And you, and you can just go from there. God and others. Comments? So do you, uh, first thing, when I first read that phrase, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, I related it back to getting on the altar. So you think that's an ab- admonition? Again, don't, don't think you're better than to, to offer your life as a sacrifice. And thinking about Christ as our example and our ultimate aim is to be like Christ, um, it's pretty ominous admonition there. Don't think you're, you're too good to suffer loss, to, to put everything that you own on the altar. Don't think yourself more highly than you ought. And if you put Christ in context there, being on the altar is not, you shouldn't, you shouldn't consider yourself too good to, to die on the altar, die for the yeah. cause, uh, to lose everything for the cause of Christ. And, you know, what an honor. Uh, we can count many who have. Um, but I, I related it back, initially re- related it back to that get on the altar, offer yourselves a living sacrifice. Amen. I like the message translation in that just that portion of the verse where it says it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God no God brings it all to you the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us not by what we are and what we do for him I like it no I love it I you know we, we've said before that, you know, this whole thing of, God, you're, you must really be blessed to have me on your team. <laughs> you know, that, that's you're not... You're so lucky. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, so not, not, I had a thought and it flew out. I'm sorry. Not, no, no. Um, I could, uh, just to throw this out there, give you some time to think. Should, shouldn't oh, it, think more lowly than, than we ought to either. You mentioned right. that one. Yeah. Right. You can and think of Timothy goes both as ways. A, one that... And Maybe I mean, that is my so. struggle. I'm never thinking I've got it going on. I'm always on the humble end of like, maybe too humble, like, oh, I'm pretty much worthless here for your use, God. I'm just barely squeaking by. That's kind of, and that's, I don't believe who God's created me to be either. And mm-hmm. I know there's other people probably in this room that can relate, but. Yeah, I, I think there's a balance there. And I, I, I know it when I see it. <laughs> I don't necessarily right. can't model it, but I know it right. when I see it. Uh, when I was in, in vet school, there was a technician there, a very godly lady, very quiet, very reserved person, and super nice, always ready to help. 
always helping the students out. She was the exception in vet school um, in looking out for them. In one time, uh, whenever challenged, whenever uh, somebody would say something that she knew was wrong, she would correct them. And but Barry, you didn't take it as an offense. You didn't take it as she was just stating it flatly. That's really not. That's really not how we do it. This is how we do it. And she would just do it. She was probably the most fierce person in a crisis that I'd ever seen. Very, again, I can't tell you how quiet this lady was, but uh, we, a mare broke loose in one of the areas of the, a, a quarantine area of the barn one time and what went berserk because people came in to treat the foal. The foal had an infection. And nobody could get into the stall. And she, we had cameras, uh, security cameras, and she was watching security camera. First, you could hear that it sounded like the building was going to fall apart, fall, fall off the back of the building. And she looked up at the security camera and sprinted back to where the hor horse was going nuts, grabbed a broom, poked with it. I mean, just like she knew exactly what she had, and she shoved the horse around so that it was facing her. It was trying to turn and kick her. And she took the broom and stuck it in its flank, shoved it around, and then almost in the same motion, hooked it under the halter of the, the mare and got the mare by the hand, got it under control. Within a minute, she had it all under control. The horse had kicked the gate off. The sink in there was kicked off. The water was spraying everywhere. It was, she just went in and took control. So quiet confidence, she, she had it. Everybody <laughs> gave her, you know, when she come, came walking by after that, it was like, yeah, there was a room. Her. Yeah. <laughs> We're not worthy. <laughs> uh, I was the number up there to text. If you guys have some comments on this as well, please, uh, please weigh in. All right, so not to think of yourself more highly than you are, but to think soberly. Uh, and, and I do believe that, that you should see this exactly as what it is. Uh, the opposite of drunk is sober, and that you ought to think of yourself in that Another word in the Bible is grave. And, you know, when you're at the grave, you're not yucking it up and cutting up. You're sober-minded. Uh, the grave brings all of the heavy realities of life to bear. And so when it comes to being a living sacrifice, you should not think that you're too good to do that. And you should realize just exactly what this, what this call is upon your life. And then, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And, and so now we get back to what it's really about. This is not about you doing something for God. It's about you allowing God to live through you. One of the greatest times in my ministry was when I heard the preacher say, God's not asking you to do something for him. God's asking you to let him do it through you. Well, man, that changes everything. You know, now all of a sudden, it's not my courage, it's not my ability, it's God's courage, it's God's ability. Comments? Someone texted in, and I can see myself all over this. Um, it is entirely too easy to forget how you want to live for him when you get busy and involved in your daily work and routine. It is so hard to reflect at the end of the day, realizing every way you failed and to not make your actions pleasing to him. Amen. Well, and so the, the challenge then is to make this a practice in your day. You know, uh, to, to, to make this a practice, a check, if you will. You know, I, 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 and, and God's good about that, to give us some little gut checks through the day. That, okay, oh, okay, you know, hang on, uh, in such of that nature. 
Um, but then it comes down sooner or later to discipline. What are you going, and I don't mean discipline as in the negative sense, but discipline as in the military self, sense. Self-governance. Yeah, self-governance. You know, what are you going to do to prepare yourself to do what you know you ought to do? All right, so we'll take a break there. Next week we'll continue on in Romans chapter 12. Um, this is the time when we like to do our I'm just saying, just take a break and mix it up a little bit. So um, do you have an I'm just saying? Tonight? I got two. You got two. Wow. Overachiever, you might want to save one for next week just in case. I'm just saying I love processing deer in October. I don't oh, get to do boy. that very yeah. often. Yeah. I don't get to do that very often. That's kind of like the... What is it? The Cubs playing yes. in October? They don't get yeah. to do that often. Either. Well, and so <laughs> that been that's my, my other. Saying. That's my other. Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't believe in curses, but as a Cardinal fan, I secretly hope the Cubs curse actually works. Just saying. <laughs> that's great. Just saying. You should have saved that for take it or leave it. Dressing the deer in October. Take Probably. It take yeah. It. Take it or leave it. Um, I'm just saying, it is a hard, hard time to be a policeman in America. Mm. But I'm just saying, so much support and respect, and they're doing that. Um, for the funeral procession, they called out on the news anybody that wants to join in the procession and just stand in support oh, when it goes by. They were asking the community to come out. When and was, I was that? Like, it's, it's, I believe, tomorrow. Oh, and for I was the thinking, that died, boy, uh, yes, for the police week. officer that lost his life. In St. Louis, or is it's it? in St. Louis. Yeah, cool. it's. I mean, you'd have to. I don't have the specifics. That would be on the you know right. the news feed, but yeah. coming out of Chesterfield and winding its way up to uh, Wood River, where he was originally from. So mm -hmm. that's going to be the full procession. And Wood River wants the whole town line with yeah. that area. They want and you know what? And the, you know, good, good for them to call on the community to yeah. come out and support. I, yeah, I do love that. Yeah. So did you hear they found 25 new Dead Sea Scrolls? No. So I missed all this junk that's going on politically. Some good news there. And so the, the good news is bad, bad news is they contradict everything that we know about Scripture. Did oh, is that? that true? No, it's not. Oh, okay. It's exactly the same. It's exactly oldest <laughs> pieces we have, exactly the same. No, cool. no changes. They found the oldest copy of Nehemiah on record. Wow. Exactly the same. Go figure. I'm just saying. God's word is true. As tonight is proof of, you have to be in season and out of season as you walk through these doors. Because I'm just saying. <laughs> Amen. Girl walks Amen. In the smiles. By the way, I'm like, what? Oh, by the way, I got your text when I walked in the door. I'm just saying. <laughs> See, you would have had more notice. Um, so for uh, just a few announcements, the prayer chain, they're trying to update that. If you are a current member on the prayer chain, they want to make sure you sign up again. Um, if you're a new member, please, um, and you'd like to be a part of it and you haven't before, sign up. The deadline is October 16th. Um, and also doing life together. We have here on Sunday nights at 4.30, there's a grief support group. Um, certainly that could apply to any number of things that uh, people might want to be involved in or need help with. Um, we also have our children's Christmas musical. So if you, I think it's, is it still too late to sign up? It is not too it late. It is not too late. Um, that is so neat. And uh, as always, we're going to snap our fingers and it's going to be Christmas. So that's, I know it seems like it's only October, but it will be Christmas yeah. soon enough. So um, something to be thinking of. All right, so moving on to our next topic. Um, dun, and, dun, dun. Oh, man, I know. When you said you wanted to do this, I was like, oh. Um, but we wanted to talk about the big elephant in the room, which is, of course, the presidential race. And what do you do when 
neither candidates are fantastic options. That, that is what? To, you, you, did I twist it too much? Wow. How did N I do? Not I need to, fantastic. What? Okay, hang that. on. I'm gonna read it verbatim here. All right. Um, I'm gonna find the right text. Forgive me. Let me get this right. What do you do when? Who do you vote for when there are no good candidates? No good candidates. What do you do? And of course, you know that there are. Uh, I personally would put the libertarian candidate in that basket of no good candidates, but. There is a constitutional party candidate uh, that Glenn Beck is voting for. And, and I do know that the constitutional party is a very good legit Christian, legit. you know, really honestly, Christian organization party. Uh, they just don't have the, uh, what would the word be? Support. The backing. support, the following, the backing that either major party, and I wouldn't put the Libertarian Party in that either. They're very small. I don't believe. Now, it is a growing party. The Libertarian is a growing party, and I think Constitutional Party is too. Uh, but, but I think it's safe to say that either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump is going to win one of those two. I don't believe any other candidate is going to get remotely close to the election. And even though nobody likes to hear this, I do believe that if you vote for anyone else except one of those two, then your vote is going to elect one of those two, if that makes sense. And uh, so, and, and, and I, I'm, <clears throat> Gavin has a prepared statement here, so let, let's, let him <laughs> let's let him dive Quite in. Quite a dissertation. So He's did, chopping at the bit. Did you see, I, I put it, posted this today. I, I just copied it out and brought it with me. I posted it today on my Facebook page. Anybody see it? Uh, mm -hmm. The policy equals person, person equals policy. Uh, it, it's just a fact, and the, the, the left has learned this and won by it. Um, so so we, when we have a candidate that, that is promoting the policies and carrying the policies that we want to uh, the presidency or to, to significant uh, political office, the opposing side, the left, has learned to destroy that person, and we, in turn, bail on them. Well, we, we move along, move along. We can't have anything to do with that. The left does not do that. When they have a person that's carrying out their wishes policy-wise, they protect that person Circle the just wagons. like it's their policy. They protect and defend that person Nothing just to see. like it's po their policy. Nothing to see. I exactly. Uh, so, so you have uh, just a couple examples in history. Um, does anybody remember, to remember Tom DeLay? Uh, was the majority whip in Congress in the 90s under Newt Gingrich, um, was the most effective conservative policy promoter in my memory, second only maybe to, to Newt Gingrich. And he was accused of funneling money to Republican candidates in Texas, which is his job, and he was prosecuted for it. A Democratic, somebody on the left, was in the Attorney General's office in the district that he was charged, and they indicted him. I'm not sure if they ever convicted him, but he was indicted. Some of you might remember where they got. Um, so we bailed on him, and he had to leave office and defend himself in Texas. Um, you compare that with what the president has done with some of his money handlers and bundlers who've been given federal loans and then forgiven those loans, basically giving them the money. And there's really no comparison to the magnitude of the offense there. 
but the left has circled around. Well, the bailout the was a payoff. The, the bailout, the Our, um, there's Solyndra, another Solyndra yeah, with Solyndra, the right. power, I mean, there's, there's solar power. There's billions of crazy. dollars that have been given as loans, expected to be paid back, and then forgiven because the company went out of business, and the bundler who was given the loan now is is free, scot free. So the 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 funneling of money there is two hugely different proportions, but the left has circled around the president and protected him like he is their policy. We didn't do that. We kicked Tom DeLay. Um, just a couple other examples, uh, Bob Livingston, you probably don't remember him. He was the Speaker of the House temporarily when it was voted to impeach Bill Clinton for his lying under oath um, about the illicit affair. He was accused, it turned out he did have an illicit affair president had an illicit fare. We kicked Bob Livingston to the curb. The president went on to finish out his term and subsequently set the platform for who's running for president now, for Hillary. Had he been indicted and removed from office, Hillary probably wouldn't be running for president now. So you see the, the difference here. Every, all of these candidates are human, and unfortunately, they're, they're going to be making huge personal mistakes. But the Democrats protect their person that's advancing their policy like it is the policy. We throw them to the curve. Now, I don't, I'm not saying to condone bad behavior and protect it, but if we don't do something to counter this, we're, we're going to continue to lose. So you got to you got to vote for the policy, and you got to stick with it, and you got to you got to know that the opposing side, the people who oppose that policy, are going to attack the person because they know if they can attack and discount the person. You won't vote for them. The, the policy opposition goes away. That, I mean, that's what's happening right in, in, our, in front of our eyes. It's an ugly thing. I, I admit it's an ugly thing, but it's true. It's what's happening to Donald Trump right now. Not that I'm a Donald Trump fan. I hate it. I don't want to be, I'm not a pro-Donald Trump guy. I have to look at the policies that he's purporting and vote for those policies and try to advance him to advance those policies. Unfortunately, that's the way it is in politics. You have to do it. I made a, a vow to the Lord probably 20, 30 years ago that I would not vote for someone that I knew was pro-death. I knew that they supported abortion yeah. teetotally. And, um, you know, s somebody made the statement in social media the other day that the presidency has nothing to do with, you know, abortion. It's not going to affect abortion. The only problem with that is that both presidential candidates know that, that they, they know the opposite is true. Uh, Hillary Clinton said, live TV, there for everyone to hear, I do have a litmus test. Any Supreme Court that I, justice that I appoint will absolutely uphold Roe v. Wade. That's the presidency affecting abortion. And so uh, Donald Trump has pledged, who knows if he'll... That's right. We, 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 all we That's know right. is what they're saying. Yep. That's why lying is still important. That's why it's important for us to know if someone lies, so on and so forth. But uh, he has vowed to uh, appoint justices that hold a constitutional approach. Uh, and what that means is the liberals see the Constitution as a dead, or no, a living daily. and breathing article. So it changes. Changes daily. Changes daily. Uh, a constitutionalist sees the Constitution as a dead document. What it meant 200 years ago, it means today. And we take that same viewpoint of God's Word. What it meant 2,000 years ago, 
still means today. That's extremely important, uh, the approach there. Um, so, uh, I, you know, and I'm going to be saying more about this, uh, not so much even the, what I'm going to be talking about from the pulpit is our spiritual approach. What can and what should we be doing? I got a hold of something today in my preparation that if, if I continue to lead, if the Holy Spirit continues to lead me, you will hear this Sunday. And, and I lovingly challenge you to be here Sunday uh, and tell your friends and neighbors because it's going to be something that, that we do, something that we do this year uh, before the, the vote. Well, I took a different approach than Gavin. Um, Because that was really deep. (laughs) Deeper than I am. I don't know about that. um, I think they say, whoever they are, that people vote out of fear. Fear that they're, well, let me back it up a little bit. First, people vote out of spiritual conviction. People vote out of economic or financial needs. But often they vote out of fear. Like fear that, for example, um, let's say you're, a Hispanic person, and maybe they sure. fear this candidate's going to do this and deport all of my family. I'm, or in fear of what they might do to our Christian beliefs. Fear that they're going to let whatever the borders. Pick your topic: or gun control. Fear that they're right. going to take our guns Hate away, speech. or fear that they're going to um, allow people to continue to bear arms. I mean, there's all different levels of fear that I think motivate people to vote. Um, as we were discussing this very topic at work, um, it, I had said it feels like most of my spiritual beliefs, things that I'm heavily convicted about in this election, I'm not convinced either of these prime candidates. It's even on their radar. So that's not my a big motivating force. Right. I'm going to vote. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying You're spiritually. Right, you <laughs> we, we know that, Tara. With these two, I uh, – Wow. Way off the mark, but um, <laughs> and then I think too, you vote out of your you know financial. That's like a big motivator. Um, will either of these do anything for the working middle class? For the yeah, I don't know. I'm I haven't seen anything that made me feel strong. But when you're talking about who do you vote for, on those are the motivating forces. And again, I'm. <laughs> you can almost gonna, put every emotion in there too. To yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Disappointment. Right. Um, the, the reason you're voting is I'm so mad at the last guy that was in. I'm going to make sure that his policies are overturned. So, so yeah, you're, you can take a lot of uh, different angles on what motivates from just emotions. The, the comment that you made sparked a realization that I had this year. Uh, you, you said that you don't feel, you know, all the things that are important to you, you don't feel like is on either one's even radar, you know, type thing. And, and I think that's accurate. But for the first time in 30 years during the primary time, we had at least two, maybe three candidates that said the things that we're right. all waiting for people to say. And that is, is that we don't have an economic problem, folks. We have a spiritual problem. You know, we and Ted Cruz said that. Marco Rubio said that. Mm-hmm. And another one said it. Ben Carson said it. Ben Carson, it. Uh, uh, Scott, uh, Scott Walker. Walker did too yep. yeah, early on. And well, that was refreshing. And it was so true. And Gavin, you've even said it, that we, our economy won't fix our morality. Our morality will fix the economy. Absolutely. And that is so yeah. true. And um, nobody's really worried about the morality <laughs> is the problem. I, I had an argument right out there years and years and years ago when I was a youth director with a young man who came up in a choir from Arkansas. 
and they were voting on lottery in Arkansas. We had not yet voted it here. And he said, I don't really see what all the big, you know, baloney is. All the other states that have gotten it, you know, they're doing fine, and, and they're making money, and this, that, and the other. This is, this is a kid that's singing in the church choir, you know, at our, at our church. And I said, so you don't think there's any value to having a law on the books that upholds God's word? Well, what difference does it make? The difference is God's blessing. Well, everybody's gambling anyway. I, I get that. But the government is still supporting God's word. Setting the standard. You bet. Setting the standard. And, and that allows God's hand to be on that government. The individuals will have to answer, you know. But, but when the government says, you know, free, free, free for all. Free for all. You get 2016 yeah. in the United States of America. Your your uh, your morality will excellence in morality protects potential. Yeah. If you the higher your standards are, the greater your potential will be. And you can continue to lower the standards. You'll continue to lower your potential and your ability to perform or or to be great. You can be the smartest kid in school, but if you're taking heroin, you're likely not going to make it very far. All right. The policies. Right. Help everyone, right? And you've got to look at the policy, not the accusations from the other side. Right. And uh, I mean, I'm. And, and the worst part is, they proved so far everything that's been said about Trump has been either false or falsified. And then they find something 11 years ago that in a locker room he said something nasty. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, I hate to say I, it. Yeah. I, I, I pointed out in this, if you get a chance to read this. I appreciate this, I, your brutal e honesty. Easy. <laughs> easy. Go ahead. What was you going to say? I make a little light of that in my, my Facebook po post if you get a chance to look at it. Eleven years ago, Donald Trump was a contributing liberal Democrat billionaire. Yep. And nothing was said about what he said. Right. He becomes a Republican, changes his policy, his view on life. All of a sudden, yeah. this, yeah, this surfaces. He's not, he's not a good person. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting that the left has been able to convince us to abandon people who are advancing our policy. Praise the Lord, I'm getting older. All right, so um, moving on, I'm taking a little break. We're doing a new thing. I know I'm getting older because, and I think this every day, I think I say it on a regular basis, but tonight I know I'm getting older because I say things to my kids like, you'll thank me for this someday. <laughs> like, and it comes no. out like that. Why do we have to do this? Because you'll thank me for this someday. I promise you. I'm praying so, for that someday. I know. Still looking I, for it. And I, hope. I, I, I don't can't want to wait. discourage you. But. Like, hopefully one of these days I'll think, well, boy, mom was right. Uh, probably not. But that's how you I know I'm getting older. Grab your chest and fall over. <laughs> my arm. It hurts. Something's not right. My line is I'm praying you get a kid just like you. <laughs> oh. that, that's, that's my line. I know I'm getting old uh, when the phrase, 
It'll come to me. Happens just about every sentence of every conversation. It'll, it'll come to me. Hang, hang on. Senior moment. It's coming, it's coming around. Uh, ouch, that hurts. So but, but I've been thinking all week about this, and I got it this, uh, today at the bank. I was driving through the bank, and I had two or three different transactions, and got to the end of them, and I, I, I looked at I know there's one more thing, but I can't remember what it is. And she kind of went over what we'd already done. I said, old age. And the little twerp went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you are. Uh, wow. Gonna, yeah. The little twerp. <laughs> Well, that's like Todd, Todd sitting over there when we do this segment. I don't got anything. I don't got anything. <laughs> yeah, Wait yeah. till January, and he can barely walk after the snowboarding trip. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah I know broken, I'm getting older when, when I can't do something. That's right. Yep. And right. I hope he listens to this. Denial. He's in denial. Yeah, you better believe it. Um, somebody says, uh, the kids keep telling me I told them that story before. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that yeah. is my dad. Like, yep, Daddy, we've heard this one a few times, actually, a few times. And actually, why don't you let me tell the story? <laughs> okay, so we all have somebody, and I'm sure I do that too, but they told it to you yesterday, and they start to tell you, and you try, you, you, you told it doesn't work. No, you, just, no. you just got to sit there and listen. Oh, I, I like to watch their face when I finish the sentence for them. <laughs> Have you? Have I told you? Have I told you? Yeah. Three times uh, today. Oh, I know I'm getting old when Leah goes, oh, Daddy, not again. <laughs> not again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Daddy, not, not again. again. Uh, I love you enough to tell you the truth, right? That's right. <laughs> All right. So our last topic, we um, wanted to focus a little this year on um, just parenting, grandparenting, uh, raising kids. It's none of it's easy. Lord knows. Um, but we're going to talk about raising children reacting to everyone else's standards of raising children instead of using your own or establishing your own standards. Well, and we've, we've probably all seen someone else's kids and thought, well, I'll never do that with my kids or, you know, whatever the case may be. Oh, I vowed my children would never have a French fry. There you go. Whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, what? that. <laughs> How's that working out yeah, for you, right? Cardio cat uh, nurse. You're that's never right. having a French fry. <laughs> yeah. Trans fat. Oh, now I've I'm seen just those like, maybe just beans. once a week. And so, you know, we've all done this. So the point is not to bemoan parents doing this as much as to stress the importance of having a set set of standards that are agreed upon by both parents and knowing why you have them. Now, I realize that in a blended situation, this may be difficult. You know, your kids may actually have two sets of standards, you know, that they have at, at this house that they stay for the week, and then they have at this house, and, and that's a tough, tough thing. And I, I think that depending on the appropriateness of the age, you may hit recognize the elephant in the room type thing. Uh, or if, if, if they're not yet to that point where they could grasp that, you just pray. You just pray. And, and you have, a, I think, a, a standard, uh, what would the word be, approach ready. I understand that this is not what, how you do it at dad's or mom's house. This is how we do it here. And, and there will come a day that it will be extremely abundant to you as to why type thing. Uh, and then go from there. But... Um, the, what I want to just kind of throw out here, and then we can discuss them as we go uh, if you want to. But, you know, you've got some things that are taught, and you've got some things that are caught. Uh, and certainly the things that are caught are probably more powerful than the things that are taught. But I think you and I, and we can prove this biblically, that we are to raise them in the nurture and admonition of God's Word, 
Uh, you can go to the Deuteronomy passage, teach them at, you know, as you rise up, as you walk by the way, as you lay down and such. So there's no lack of scriptural impetus that, that, that we ought to teach our kids a set of standards. But I don't believe that you can find that set of standards for your kids in the Bible if you follow what I'm saying. In other words, your standards are going to be a little different than mine. Mine are going to be a little different than yours and vice versa. But as long as we have went to God's word to procure these standards, then I'm not going to answer for your standards. Mm -hmm. You're going to answer. So even though, bless your heart, you know, you don't have very high standards. <laughs> type. You see what I'm saying? I, I don't believe no, no that God... Fries. That's, pretty that's right. That's pretty doggone high. Well, and you know, I've even said of my own parents, I, you know, I sit here and I, I will stress myself out to no end, like, oh, I hope, you know, I'm not messing these kids up. You know, I worry all the time. Am I teaching them enough? Am I saying enough? Am I telling them the right things? Am I too supportive? Am I overprotective? All that. And I say all the time, man, my parents didn't think twice about my psychosocial development. They were trying to just feed us and keep That's us in a house. That's right. I mean, there was no... But in the meantime, although they, you know, weren't asking us, you need to go read, have you done your homework? I mean, there is none of that right. academically. But there is certainly a lot of spiritual things that came down the line. And Amen. ultimately, I feel like that's what won out yeah. in my upbringing. A Amen. And, uh, you, I'll, and it doesn't matter how much work and thought you put into it, Terry, you'll get to the end of it and they'll be on, on your own. You'll, you'll look back and say, I totally messed that up. I totally messed <laughs> <that> up. <laughs> I totally messed that up. Yeah. Um, so, somebody texted in, and this is true, I think, um, of their kids saying, my friends stay up until such time. Why can't I stay up that late? Why can't I watch that show? Um, and we have to decide what's right for our own family. You better believe it. Amen. Yeah, that's it. So, so let's just talk about some of those things. Uh, one of my, it, it's top of the list. Honesty is, is a premium. You lie to me. I mean, everything up to shallow yeah, grave comes, I mean, you know. I Do not the, lie to me. Tell me the truth. Amen. Uh, and I, I guess uh, the, the do's, in my mind, and I may be thinking wrong, the do's are a lot easier. Oh, yeah. So I, you do tell the truth. Mm -hmm. That's the, I would think everybody would agree with that. I'm, right. if, in a blended family, I would think the two different would agree. You do tell the truth. You, you do speak positively to each other and don't, don't uh, speak things that would tear one another down. I mean, the do's would seem to be a lot easier for me. The don'ts would be, you know, you know, don't don't chew gum in bed. Those those would <laughs> be endless. Those would be <laughs> endless. But the do's seem to be like seems to me like they would be easier. Um, I I ripped off some stuff from Do uh, James Dobson, and I did it with my kids. He said he did it with his kids. I did the same thing. When they're, we're having all kinds of fighting and and conflict, uh, I the Dobson said he did this with his kids. I walked my kids to the to the front window in the living room, and I said, outside is, th those are all the people outside, not all, everybody, but out there, a lot of opposition and, and uh, things that are destructive to us come. Inside, we're all on the same team. We're all for each other. The, the trouble, the heartache, the, um, the betrayal, the bad things, that... That, that comes from out there. Inside, we work together for each other. I, I mean, again, emphasis on the do's seems to unite more than, you know, if it's a blended family, you may have different bedtimes, you have different ages at which kids get cell phones. You, you know, those are the don'ts that kind of, you can't have a cell phone until you're 16. So we're, if you emphasize the do's, I think you're a lot more able to unite than to 
emphasize the don'ts, don't, don't, don't. Amen. And one question I have for you guys as, as families, and this is a rhetorical question, uh, have you taught your kids how and what to do, what it is that you're asking them to do? Uh, I, I learned this the hard way with Molly. I was asking her to tell me the truth, and she was four years old, maybe. She didn't know what the heck the truth was, you know. Uh, her and a buddy had spray-painted the brand-new gymnasium at the church, you know. I mean, just done wonderful circles, you know. And, but we had no proof other than what was on the wall. And, of course, both kids were like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I did not do it. Well, we, so we started uh, doing a little inspecting, and she had an ever-so-small fleck of blue paint on her finger where she had pressed the spray can. So now we know. She did it. But yet, even with showing her that, and, of course, you know how it goes. As we go through the interrogation process, the light, you know, and where were you on the night of it, you know, it's just getting, it's escalating and such. And, well, we had to take her uh, to meet mom, so her grandma, to spend the weekend. But I'm, I'm kind of, you know, how's she going to get to go do something fun? You know, she spray painted the. She should be gym. stuck here with us. You better believe <laughs> Cleaning it. Up the gym. Cleaning up the gym. <laughs> but you don't mess with grandma. So I get her in the car and, and thank the Lord. The Holy Spirit quietly said, she don't know what the truth is. And I'm telling her, screaming at her, tell me the truth. She don't know what the truth is. So I said, okay. I just calmed down, made a choice to chill out. And I said, uh, we're, we're going to do something fun. And she kind of looked at me because she's been grilled, you know, for the last 30 minutes. And uh, I said, I want you to count with me, babe. Count with me. And I, she said, okay. I said, I'm, Daddy's going to hit the dash of the car. You count with me. One, two, three. You know, I got to whatever number. Let's say four. And I said, okay, now ask Daddy how many times I hit the dash. Daddy, how many times did you hit the dash? I said, six. And she went, <gasps> you know. And I said, is that the truth? No, you know, how many times did daddy hit the dash? Four. I said, that's right. That's the truth. The truth is accurately reporting past facts. That's what the truth is. You got to teach your kids that. You got to teach your kids that. Uh, obedience is a must. Obedience is a must. Why? Because someday your employer is going to tell you what to do, and they don't want any arguing. They just want you to do it right then, right there, you know, and, and, uh, we, we, that's something we need to teach our kids. Comments? On, I got that, on that one, it was both of my kids. When they were young, it was, I told them, there's two ways we can do this. I can stand beside you or I can stand over you. When you do something disobedient, I can stand beside you and support you because you made a mistake. Or if you're just being defiant, then I can stand over you as a dad and come down like a, like a hammer. And sure. took Jeff a little longer to learn that lesson, but well, you know, uh, he, fi he finally got into it and he finally uh, realized... And he was so funny because he called me about a year and a half. He goes, Dad, he said, I dropped it on one of my troops. He said, well, he, I go, what's that? He goes, either I can stand beside you or I can stand over you. Do you want me to be your friend and right. help or do you want me to be the, the heavy, the right. overlord? And he said, he said, here I am quoting my dad going, oh, man, this is a bad day. Old. He had an I'm just getting older moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had an I'm getting older moment. Um, well, uh, Bill Gothard used to uh, illustrate this with, with hammers. Says so, he's mom and dad, a little bitty hammer, and you know the ki the kid doesn't like what mom and dad says, so he joins the football team. You know, well, b bigger hammer, coach. You know, screaming at him. Well, so he, he doesn't really like that, so he gets in trouble with the law. Bigger hammer. 
And then finally, sitting in the jail cell, he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to join the military. Then I'll be free. <laughs> huge, huge hammer, you know. Uh, and so, but, but hopefully, sooner or later, they realize that obedience is a choice. I told my kids early on, and I got this from somebody else, I can't make you do anything. You have to give me that right. That's right. But when you do, life goes better. Yeah. It really does. Uh, everyone works. Everyone works. Everybody's got a job, whether it's trash, dishes, you know, so on and so forth. Everyone works. Uh, inside voices. Oh. No emotional blow-ups. And this is tough. It, it is tough. Like I, can, I can do those two in one sentence when I'm screaming, if you're going to wrestle, go outside. <laughs> go outside. <laughs> I love it. I did that last week. I mean, that's... <laughs> if you're going to wrestle, go outside. I've never had an inside voice. So I don't know what there, yeah, amen, amen. Uh, Christian values. Yes. You got to teach those. What, what is a Christian value? Are we out of time? Oh, we have time. Um, now, now, this is one of those things where this is for the Kingstons. We don't watch R-rated movies. If you guys do, that's your business. That is your business. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily any of my business type thing. But you need to set it somewhere. You know, uh, R's good, are X, X okay, <laughs> triple X? I mean, you, you need to set a standard, and you need to make sure your kids know that. And, uh, I mean, these days, PG-13s are pretty yeah, they're rough. They're rough. They're very they're, rough. They're pretty yes. rough. I walked out of a Jim Carrey movie uh, three years ago because it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Um, no inappropriate language, obviously. Uh, no whining. Oh, my God. Goodness. I'd almost rather hear my kids cuss. It's yeah. just that hard <laughs> that, to bear. That's right. I'm just going to. No. Oh, my wow. gosh. Whining. Some days I'm that's like. You're positive. Uh, Whining bad words. You know, you know though, in all honesty, though, I have said this, and I learned this from another woman. She told her kids, if you hear me say it, you can say it. There you go. And that will keep you very humble. Yeah. And so far, they have never heard me say something that I didn't want them to repeat. Amen. So that's, you know, I've said that to them. I'm like, have you ever heard me? If you, if you, right. hear, me, if you hear me say it, you can start saying it. Well, that'll keep you pretty humble as a parent. See, I, I blew everything that you just said in one conversation I can remember a while back. But I had, <laughs> I had justification, I would say. We were at a, this is a long story. I'll try to make it short. We had a, uh, a family uh, relative that had a, uh, was going to get married, so we had a joint time. It, w it wasn't the reception. It was just a joint time for both families to get together. That ended up not working, so that was kind of awkward. But um, with that said, uh, I was trying to make a joke, and I was saying uh, like a, I was trying to say like a bat out of you know where, and I said like a you know what out of hell. <laughs> and everybody's like, <laughs> you know, crickets. The preacher just cussed. Uh, a need seen is an assignment given. That's a standard, you know. Uh, God's word is our only rule for faith and practice. Do you take your words, your kids, to the word of God to show them this is why we do what we do? Uh, no late nights on Saturday. This is Kingston home, but boy, it's something we push. No late nights on a Saturday. Oh, uh, my dad used to say Saturday night live, Sunday morning dead. There you go. There you go. <laughs> God will never be the God of your Sundays until he's the God of your Saturday nights. Hmm. Uh, that was a poster that I love. Church attendance isn't an option. It's not an idea or a hope. It is settled. Uh, we're going to church to all services. Uh, we do not talk about those that are not here in a negative manner. The golden rule is our rule. We do not spend money we do not have. 
We do not hunt on Sundays. We do not try to be fair or equal, but love each of our kids with all our heart. And those are just things that we do as a family. You won't find them written up anywhere, but those are the things that, that have guided us, and they're things that Dawn and I agree on, so on and so forth. Comments? I don't think the no hunting on Sunday is going to fly with my um, husband. That again, will not be a Yerky again, rule. Again, I'm with you. I, I, I respect the Kingston rule. You bet. Well, and, and with that said, I have addressed that several times in sermons. Um, if I were someone that, you know, I, I, because my, my schedule is flexible. I, I can take a... As long as they make it for the morning service. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I can take a day off that they may not be able to take off, you know, type thing. Uh, so so it's, it's not that I'm suffering for, for any stretch, but, you know, you guys pay me. You kind of expect me to be here, you know, type thing. Well, and something we talked about earlier is reacting to other people's standards. Right. And comparing, like, well, you know... They're so they're so strict, or right. they let their kids do everything, and it's easy to get wrapped up in that. And I've even come under attack about the Wednesday night in sports, and I think that you know parents have kind of come at me a little bit about that. Um, and I told you how on the one Sunday I made this stand with the kids: we're going to go to church on Sunday, and these sports are coming second, and we will not. So sure enough, and I sh shared this last year is on Mother's Day. There was a baseball tournament. We were playing in the championship. We skipped church and went to the championship baseball game, and in the first pitch of the game, the kid swings, and it busts out my windshield. No lie. And my husband just turned and looked at me, and he's like, this wouldn't have happened if we would have been at church. And I was like, you bet. $500. Point, point taken. Wow. Yeah, true story. Mm, true story. Good stuff. Well, did we get any texts in? Um, you guys just we, listening, huh? We're good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, um, guys. Text in topics, things you want to hear. Yes. Um, thing, just things you want to participate in. It's it's more fun when you're here and participating. So. Leaning yeah. towards spiritual warfare pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, we're going to be talking about recognizing Satan's attacks, getting prepared for Satan's attacks, what to do when the attack comes. All right. Very good. All right, we'll see you all next Thanks, week. Thanks, guys. Love you. See you Sunday. Please be praying for Sunday.